You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Welcome to this 91 Investment Views 2022 podcast. With me today is Grant Webster, who's an emerging market fixed income investor, and Archie Hart, who invests in emerging market equities. Gentlemen, I think if we'd have been talking around about this time last year, looking forward to 2021, you would have probably thought the outcome that we're seeing at the moment slightly worse than we are seeing. I think you may have been slightly more pessimistic. Grant, I'll start with you on this one. Yes, absolutely. I think we were. I mean, I don't even say we think we were absolutely more pessimistic. You know, we'd taken a huge hit in 2020. Economies were suffering. And we were all concerned about, you know, the speed of vaccine rollouts, new waves of COVID, how we were going to repair government balance sheets and what the growth outlook was. So it was a lot more concerning. But looking back, I would say, you know, things have turned out a lot better than expected. And we've seen continuous revisions to data over the last year. So growth data has been revised higher. And of course, all this huge demand we got from developed markets for goods and services has meant that EMs have benefited. So, you know, their exports have grown and their fiscal revenues have grown. So, yeah, looking back, things turned out quite a lot better than expected. Very good. Well, we'll see what 2022 holds for you. Well, in your opinion, anyway, later on. And, uh, Archie, uh, do you concur with Grant when it comes to emerging market equities? I think the economics and uh, the rebound in corporate profitability has been tremendous. And that's obviously the global stimulus that's provided that. And then the, the rollout of the vaccines, which have allowed people to go back to work. I would say the one contrast perhaps with the fixed income is that on, in the equity universe China's a much bigger part of our world and China whilst the economy has actually generally performed pretty well has been mixed up in this regulatory crackdown by the Chinese government which has had a very significant and outsized market influence and I think if we look out to 2022 I think the market is going to hinge on whether we're towards the end of that or we continue to see more regulation and tax increases rolled out into next year. Well, let's stay with you because you've mentioned 2022. I mean, apart from what you've just mentioned, what else is there to look forward to or not to look forward to next year, in your opinion? Well, I think as Grant would say that the reason for 2021 surprising positively is simply the enormous stimulus we've seen from central banks globally. I think that now looks increasingly sort of out of kilter with economies that have recovered quite nicely. I think the positive thing about emerging markets is that we've actually seen much more policy normalization than we have in developed markets. So if we just take a snapshot as we speak, interest rates in Russia at seven and a half percent, Brazil at seven three quarter, Mexico at four and three quarter, India at four all look much more in line with the current environment than developed market interest rates, which are basically zero everywhere. So I feel we've taken a lot of our pain and developed markets still have to do that in many ways. Yes, indeed. In many ways, Grant, from what Archie has just said, the emerging market economies and authorities have taken the lead and in the developed world might even follow. Yeah, absolutely. Archie's right. I mean, look, it's for good reason, because one of the things that's been resurgent has been inflation in developed markets and emerging markets. You know, we've had this unprecedented period of very high demand met with very constrained supply. And it's shown in prices, particularly energy and food prices. 
But EMs have reacted very swiftly to that, as Archie says. We've had upside surprises continually to these monetary policy moves. If you look at everywhere from Russia, Czech and others, you know, they've been hiking not only you know, in big steps, but higher than expected. It's a little painful, obviously, for markets it's, as a bond investor. That's always um, sort of a troubling environment to invest in. But it does set you up because it means now we have this very large buffer. Even if you adjust for inflation, we're now at the widest spread in monetary policy rates versus the U.S. and EM, even adjusting for inflation. And I think that's a strong position for EMs to be at going into 22. And I'll stay with you on this one, Grant, because how important is the normalization of monetary policy, whether it be in emerging markets, your sphere of influence or your sphere of expertise, rather, and the developed world? Is it going to continue to exert an influence on your strategy next year? It will. Even though we've seen these upsized moves, we're not near the end yet. We need to see inflation peaking, I think, and that will only happen later next year. But that's really the irony of it right now. You know, we see these high gas and energy prices, food prices, and people suddenly expect inflation to continue like this um, deep into next year, where in fact what we're doing is building a large base effect. So actually, if anything, you know, these prices now will assist us. And and already we're seeing you know, prices come off in many places. You can see it in coal, to some extent in gas prices, shipping prices are coming down. And we're hearing it from corporates too. Archie will be closer to it than I am. But, you know, corporates are seeing some relief from the supply constraints across in Asia. Archie, how does the interest rate policy and the monetary normalization uh, that I described in that question to Grant, how does it affect emerging market equities? Would they embrace this normalization, do you think? I think it's very healthy in that I think having interest rates zero for a prolonged period of time just builds up more and more imbalances in the economy. And, and I think what's been notable in the last crisis of the last couple of years is, is actually that emerging market central banks and particularly China have not poured a huge amount of gasoline on the monetary fires, if you like. They've been actually much more reserved. So I think we have a much more balanced environment. Whereas I think if you look at the policy environment in developed markets, it simply looks quite unbalanced at this point. We have this strange combination of high growth, high inflation and very high monetary stimulus, which looks completely unsustainable even in the short term, let alone the medium and longer term. I'll stay with you on this one, Archie, because if we talk in a year's time, what do you think you'll be saying? Will you be saying, well, the challenges that we perceived in November, December last year haven't, uh, haven't panned out at all? So maybe just, maybe just give us the risks and opportunities from your point of view. I mean, the critical risk facing my universe is really what happens in China. It's the, the dominant market in the asset class. So we've had a year where Xi Jinping has exerted himself essentially to show China who's boss yes, and to really instigate a huge amount of regulatory action. So the question is, what will happen in 2022 there? And I think this time next year, we're going to have a very important Chinese Congress where Mr. Xi hopes to cement his position as leader of China for the foreseeable future, perhaps, for the rest of his life. I think in the lead up to that, there's going to be much more focus on, if you like, the good stuff, the reasons why you should look forward to me being a leader forever, the positives about what I do. So I do think that you're going to see Chinese policy 
go from actually extremely contractionary, which is where it's been for the last year, to much more of a sort of positive stimulatory complexion. That's very important because that's going to turn from a big headwind against markets to much more of a tailwind. And one thing I'd say is the emerging market equities have struggled over recent years. Um, if you think about what makes a market turn around, it's generally after a long period of underperformance, which we've seen. It's when an asset class is underowned and out of favour, which is very much emerging equities. It's when the asset classes got cheap and were about a 40% discount to develop market equities. And then normally there's some capitulation event that the last thing that makes people give up on the asset class and arguably I'd say that's what's happened in China. So I'd say uh, if you're a contrarian, you would actually look out quite positively to next year. And indeed, I think if we look out six to 12 months, people are going to be perceiving the outlook much more positively than they are now. Grant, same question to you. So briefly, give us your risks and opportunities, risks and rewards, if you will, for next year. The two we focused on are China, as Archie says. I mean, it does loom large in any investor's mind, especially EM. Um, and then the second is the, the withdrawal of liquidity by developed market central banks, because you really never know the full effect of that until it's happened. I think we've, we're tackling that second risk very well by putting in place these buffers in EM, you know, very high policy rates getting ahead of the curve. And also just, you know, as I mentioned right at the beginning of the call, you know, the data has been a lot better than expected. EM looks very different to what it did in 2013 when, you know, we had Bernanke start tightening policy. At the time then, EMs were running very large uh, current account deficits. That meant, you know, they were importing more than they were exporting and essentially borrowing dollars from abroad. Whereas today, they are by and large exporting more than they import, given all that strong demand for their goods and services and commodities. So they look a lot stronger. But China is the one we'll be watching. And I think in a year's time, we'll we'll find that, you know, the the financial crisis emanating out of the property sector uh, was a non-event. The Chinese managed it as we expect them to do. It's in no way in their interest to have a sharp slowdown in the economy or any major disruption in the property sector. And so I think by that point in time, you know, we'll be looking at a, a clearer growth outlook for China, even if it's a lower growth outlook, it'll be a higher quality type of growth, which is exactly one that, what they want. And of course, by that stage, you know, we'll be past those very high elevated levels in inflation. And I think looking forward to cutting cycle in EM bonds going into 2023. Grant, final question, and very briefly, if you would, give us a snapshot of your current portfolio positioning. We are overweight dollar debt in the portfolio, particularly high-yield countries where they're not being driven by U.S. Treasury markets, but rather by their own internal dynamics. And we are short local currency debt, particularly in low-yield markets such as Central Europe and some parts of Latin America where we've seen these sharp um, interest rate creases coming through on the back of inflation. And we still think there's more uh, room for those countries to move. Archie, how are you positioned, please, your strategy? We're still positive on Asia. We think Asia has quite a lot of growth ahead of it. More cautious on South America, which we worry may be entering a sort of long COVID because of populist policies around people's disgust with how badly they handled COVID. In terms of sectors, we continue to like technology and we're very much warming up to the financials as well. Higher interest rates are generally 
pretty good news for profitability for financial companies. Archie, thank you very much for your time. Archie Hart invests in emerging market equities. He was joined by Grant Webster, who is an emerging market fixed income investor, both at 91. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.